The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Get ready. Tonight we bring a kaleidoscope of topics and we'll try to make real out of this unreal world. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas at Veritas Radio. If you want to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. I always love to hear from you. And as I've mentioned a few times, you can now leave comments, questions, and suggestions with your own voice, and I may air them in future episodes. Here's an example of someone who requested tonight's guest. Here's our friend Melissa with her message. Happy New Year, Mel. This is Melissa Krieger coming to you from the good, beautiful south of the United States in Georgia on a cold winter's morn. I just want to thank you and Veritas for um, going now for me, seven years of truth. I love you and your program, and many of your guests are just wonderful testament to the fact that there are many of us awake, and we're not bearing this load alone. And it's a wonderful thing to have, and I will support you in any way I can um, to have this platform to question reality and to change and shape and mold the reality as we are all conscious co-creators. Also would like to plug in a potential guest for you, Christopher Loring Knowles, who writes The Secret Son. I hope you'll have him on. He's an amazing person, father, uh, seer, wise, wise sage, and his work is really, really important now probably more than ever. So please do look at having him on your show. And as always, most, most, most blessings to you and your beautiful family. Love seeing your pictures. Bye for now, Mel. Thanks, Melissa. All the best to you and your family as well. I hope others are not too shy and submit the request just like you did. It makes it more personal. And to help us make sense of things, Tonight's special guest is Christopher Loring Knowles. Chris has over 30 years' experience in the production and marketing of pop culture and has worked in some of the biggest properties in the world. He's the author of many books and writes and reviews for a number of international magazines. He has appeared on ABC's 2020 and VH1's Metal Evolution and several radio shows. He has also appeared in several documentaries such as Wonder Woman, Daughter of Myth, and The Man, The Myth. Superman. You can learn more about Christopher Knowles by visiting his blog at thesecretson.blogspot.com, which is also linked at ours. Christopher Knowles joins us directly from New Jersey. Hello, Chris, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Very good. Very good. Good to be here. So glad to have you. As I mentioned before, it was one of our listeners who really, really lobbied to have you on. And I've spent the last couple of weeks looking at your work and I have to say, it's a, what I call at the beginning, it's a kaleidoscope 
of work. But let's let's go your background. Aside from what I just read, what led you to discuss so many topics? Um, probably because I was, you know, brought up in them. I um, had a, a very interesting and immersive religious experience as a child. My mother was a uh, church organist. And uh, so spent a lot of time in church when I was young, um, had, a, you know, sort of a very diverse kind of uh, religious mixture because um, she also played at, at a Jewish temple. And I also att attended Catholic mass with uh, my friends in the neighborhood. So it was sort of like a, a little religious tour every weekend. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I was really uh, obsessed with comic books. Um, you know, we were pretty poor and comic books, you know, were cheap. I mean, 20 cents, 25 cents, you know, and back in the day, I mean, that's, you know, you could spend an afternoon with that. So, I mean, I really got into comics, um, really obsessed with comics from a very early age. I actually uh, taught myself how to read at age three with a uh, Superboy, uh, 80 page giant. <laughs> I wow. still remember that. I still remember when I finally figured out that all oh, these things, you know, make sounds. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, and then, uh, very early on, I went to work for, um, New England comics who, uh, are probably best known for the, um, publishing the tick and the tick is a, a character that's been on several television programs, uh, cartoons and so on. And I went to work for them in, in 1984 um, I did a, did some work in uh, cartooning uh, in New York for uh, various licensed projects, merchandising. So I, I have a you know pretty heavy background in uh, pop culture, pop culture marketing, pop culture uh, licensing. Uh, did, did did work in advertising. Did work in package design. So you know I really came to understand how all these cultural memes that we are. Um, bombarded with increasingly in our culture, how they are created, how they are packaged, how they are managed, how they are brought to market, and, and how their popularity is sustained. So, you know, having this background and having this background from my teenage years, really, I, I began to um, sort of apply that knowledge to things that I, I began to notice in, in pop culture and in the media and in politics, which is essentially uh, very ancient mythological themes sort of constantly replaying themselves, um, appearing in places where they don't belong, manifesting themselves in places where they shouldn't be. And um, I mean, for reasons that I won't go into, I, I also had a very conspiratorial bent uh, from a very early age, um, you know, began to see the world as uh, not what it appeared to be. Uh, for for very very personal reasons, um, and that that also played into uh, the way I began to see things, and um, started getting uh, into UFOs in let's say 1990. I, I was working in New York, and and had a friend uh, who's a writer and um, was really into uh, UFO uh, ufology and so on. So I, I got into that through him. So it it all sort of you know, built and built. And of course, that takes us into the 90s and, and, you know, the X-Files and things like sightings and, you know, very much part of the culture. And then it was a internet, not very early adopter, but I got onto the internet around 92, 93 and uh, started checking out all ufology and all. That was pretty early. That's probably the BBCs, though, the, 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 the bulletin boards before the internet. Yeah, well, actually, I had a 24 BPS modem 
Yeah. Um, uh, 2,400. And, uh, you know, when, when I finally got 55 K, I, I was, I thought I was like, you know, on the space shuttle, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I loved it. I mean, when I first got on the internet, it was, um, the dopamine hits were, were, it was like heroin being injected into my uh, cerebral cortex. It was just, it was addictive. It was intoxicating. It was an amazing experience. I mean, I, I still kind of miss those days. Uh, not kind of, you know, very much. I mean, just to be able to immerse yourself in this universe of information, even though you were paying for it by the minute back in those days. Well, same thing with me. I remember, well, first of all, I was an altar boy for many years as a child. I uh, grew up in comic books as well. Then Commodore 64 computer in the 80s and early 90s with a 2400 bud that I had to, I had a phone that had to be on, had to be unhooked and on top of the modem. And if my dog barked, all that information that was being downloaded at night would actually stop. Anyway, that's a long story. But then the oh, X- I know that story well. <laughs> <laughs> so the X Files came along, uh, all these UFO sightings. So everything is in, in, interconnected. But let me start discussing some of the things from your blog, and I'll start picking things from everywhere because you discuss so many topics. But the one that caught my attention first was one I've been looking at for the past, I would say, year or two, and I just can't understand why the siren, the mermaid symbolism and the rising archetype. There's a movie out there. I haven't watched it yet. The Shape of Water. I saw the trailer. But the first thing that came to mind was, and that, Ariel, was how I met your mother, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's a great line. I'm stealing that. <laughs> so, what, yeah. what's up with the the meme? A mermaid gymnastics? What are they? What are they pushing? Oh, that's an excellent question because it's just everywhere. Um, it seems to be, you know, what I call an emergent archetypal dominant, which is basically like an, an over theme, an earth theme that subsumes so much. Um, let me give you an example. Um, say that, uh, like a god like Isis in, in ancient Egypt. Isis was actually um, a fairly minor local god, goddess, who came to um, absorb a number of other goddesses' roles and functions. And to the point where in early Roman imperial era, I mean, she is ruling the Mediterranean. Um, she becomes what I call an archetypal dominant, that the uh, the, the great mother figure um, starts from a rather obscure origins and through a process of syncretism and osmosis and cultural exchange becomes a figure that really has very little to do with how she started out. Now, the siren is, is not unrelated to Isis and, and figures in that lineage. But the siren is a character that I believe um, personally um, represents the the age of Pisces, because we began to see goddesses, um, specifically Atagardis, who is in that lineage that we can trace back through Astarte and Ashtoreth to um, Ishtar and Inanna, um, you know, represented by the um, constellation Virgo. But There's a lot of star magic involved here. Now, with the siren, um, 
the, you know, the, the classical siren is the two-tailed siren, and I, I believe that's a representation of the, the two fishes of Pisces. So I, I believe that when these dominants arise, that there is an element of star magic, of astrology, but there's also a, a very deep and very hard to uh, trace element of conspiracy, of collusion, of um, cultural engineering, of social engineering. And in the case of the siren, I believe what we are seeing is that the siren has either risen or has been chosen as an archetype to represent this new age that we're all being dragged into rather suddenly. <laughs> I mean, we heard all these things about um, transgenics and robotics and uh, transhumanism and all these kind of ideas that were theoretical or maybe even imaginary for, for a long time. And then all of a sudden we're seeing the application stage. And for some reason, the siren is is becoming um, a symbol of this. And I believe that part of this is, is due to the fact that the siren is a transgenic uh, creature, a transgenic being, either in the um, original conception where it's a, a female uh, associate yeah, combined with a bird and now with this mermaid thing. So, I mean, this mermaid thing is just being pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed everywhere. And it's being pushed from very interesting places. You know, for instance, you know, the, the, the BBC and, and uh, all these major corporations, these major conglomerates, um, even through governments. So I think there's a, you know, I think there's a natural interest in things like mermaid, but I, I think there's a, a very heavy and rather unsettling top down element to this that, uh, you know, for instance, Starbucks, I mean, what does a mermaid have to do with coffee? Nothing. There's, there's no association, but everywhere in the world now, increasingly, um, we see that siren icon and in even like the Starbucks coffee, uh, logo has been removed and basically what we're seeing reminds me of uh, how you know certain cult centers say in, in a city like alexandria would hang out icons of their their goddesses or gods you know to attract people and and it's very much like that it's it's it sounds kind of insane in, in some ways a lot of people might have trouble putting the pieces together but what we are seeing is um you know, basically a large scale social engineering project that is riding on the backs of this icon. But what is the end game there? Because I remember seeing a few years ago, I think it was Animal Planet that had a, a documentary. It almost looked as if they were trying to portray mermaids as real. This oh, yeah. Push, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. remember that? That's still going on. That's still going on. I mean, there's um, there's another program and, and we're also seeing all these you know, Facebook and YouTube videos. Oh, this is a real life mermaid. This is a real life mermaid. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, of course there are no real life mermaids, but they are pushing this. And if you looked at the, the imagery and the video, um, you would start to believe that there actually is a real life mermaid out there because we see these people um, underwater. They seem to be surviving and breathing and holding their breath. I mean, it doesn't seem like they're, you know, that these are all posed and staged. It seems like we're capturing these mermaids in the natural element. I mean, I think the ultimate, and I've been saying this on the blog along, I think the ultimate um, end game here in, in this regard is transgenics, that um, this might be 
a little out there for some people, but CRISPR-Cas9, um, recombinant DNA. I mean, recombinant DNA has been around for, for what, 50 years now? I mean, this is not exactly new science. I just think that we're getting closer to the application stage. And I think, personally, I think a large part of this mermaid um, conditioning is to get people comfortable with the idea of extreme hybridization. And, uh, you know, we've already seen a, a human pig embryo created. Um, we've seen uh, goats um, spliced with, with spider <laughs> spider DNA, which is just absolutely insane. I, I think there are probably a lot more of these things going on in labs that we're not hearing about. I also believe that a lot of these strange creatures that have been washing up on beaches all across the world are transgenic creatures that have been unleashed, you know, let out into the wild, so to speak. So I, I think that um, transgenics is a much bigger deal than we're being led to believe. I mean, we're hearing about transgenic GMOs, transgenic crops, but I think that, um, you know, the biological uh, aspect of this is is a much bigger deal than, than we're led to believe. And I, I think just the idea of biology, microbiology, DNA, CRISPR-Cas9, all these kind of things are going to play a much bigger role in our future, maybe not long term and maybe not immediate, but somewhere in that middle that we're start, you know, we're going to see things like um, real life mermaids. I mean, these creatures being created. I mean, we're hearing things about, oh, you know, humans used to have gills. I mean, stories like that being fed into the science media. I mean, it sounds absolutely insane. But look at the people who, who are really being hit with the mermaid um conditioning program, as I call it. I mean, it's basically girls, young girls, somewhere between five and six and 12. Now, to me, that says that we're really going to start to see transgenics appear uh, within a decade or so, that we're really going to start to see chimeras, hybridization. <laughs> Wait wait a second. You just hit the, the, the nail right on the head because as you're talking, I'm thinking that's exactly what I've been thinking, but this is not about my opinion. It's, it's yours and your research. And I was thinking in my mind, the advent of chimeras. I wonder if in the past, when it used to be mythological characters like the manticore, uh, the, you know, the, the, uh, all these, you know, half horse, half have yeah, human centaur, and Pegasus, centaurs, all Pegasus. Kind of if yeah. that was indeed reality back then and something happened, there was a cataclysm and all that knowledge went away. But in the past, if we had that, I know we can't find it in the fossil record, but could it be that we had that in the past and now we're trying to rediscover the same patterns? I believe so. You know, I, I'm I'm not a scientist and I'm sort of seeing this from a distance, but I'm I'm what I'm doing is that I'm trying to map the um the way the symbolism and the messaging is proceeding and from that vantage point i absolutely see this as red you know setting the table for for chimeras for the the emergence of chimeras um chimeras are a reality there there are such things um they're being created and released to the public in sort of you know, the, the embryonic stage, the stem cell stage. But if you really start to look at the science, you know, and as many people who say that they, they love science and they're all about the science and all this kind of thing, I mean, I don't think they really pay attention to what science is actually telling them. Because in this case, uh, we're seeing so much of this. And, and for instance, uh, I just saw a recent story in Futurism about how um, 
you know, human biology is, can be. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.